What's that? Are you drinking out of a jar? No, I've got a fancy little coffee cup, don't I? Because I'm, uh, I'm that guy. So I reduce my, my single-use plastics, much like the club does. Well, hey. Just put it in a mug. <laughs> Which you use yeah. on this several occasions. A, this is essentially my mug. There you go. Okay, I've got a cool. Lacruzo mug because I'm bougie as fuck. Okay, right. Let's just get this fucking over with. Let's yeah. get on with the pod. Welcome back to the Cover Podcast, the way you look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Ben, storming into your life and escorting you back into podcasts. Uh, with me today is a man who wants to remove me from the field of play, but mainly in the interest of football is Jules. How are you doing today, mate? I'm very well, thank you. A bit warm. Uh, but alongside him uh, is a man who is in no position to storm onto the pitch having complaints about the sanitary conditions. It's Ash. That was uncalled for. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I'm a clean man. I had a shower like two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. You're keeping the standards high. Um, another week without uh, club football. Uh, I always love these weeks on our podcast because we're never quite sure how to actually uh, fill the time. I mean, do any of you guys even bother indulging in international football? Or are you just gallivanting around drinking overpriced coffee and quasar coffee mugs? If that if that is a dig at me, you're the one with the Le Creuset mug on screen right now, Fed. There you go. I'm, I'm ratting you out to our listeners. You, you yeah, but you're, fake, you're, you, you, you're a fake man of the people. You, you were so trying you to sell me. <laughs> He's obviously got shares in the cruiser. Um, you, you're trying to dig me out for, for drinking out of a mug. You are also sat at home. We're all working from home. We know how it is. Drink from a mug, not from a whatever, whatever that is. That's essentially a flask. It's too much like a flask. <laughs> I, I apologise for my, for my coffee drinking habits. Um, and to answer your oh, question. Just, uh, sorry, out, off screen, Ash has just gone, yes, yes, <laughs> look at him drinking from a flask. And then sucked through one of these straws in one of these water bottles. <laughs> You're at home, put it in a glass. It's, it's more pleasant this way. It's bigger than any glass I've got. Well, because you want it from a beaker. Grow up. Yeah. In answer to your question, Ben. I watched half the England game on Sunday because I made a carbonara at the same time and it was good background viewing. And other than that, I've been playing football. Um, I had my first game back at pre-season from, from holiday. Um, delightful 2-0 shithouse win um, versus some, some right bastards. So yeah, I had a very good weekend, thank you. Speaking oh, of carbonara, good. I was watching the uh, Italy game, so I'd rather not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in that? No, fucking by. awful. Let's just not talk about it. Let's just let's just skip past. We don't need to talk about it. As far as I'm concerned, football has now finished because Italy won a trophy. Like we don't need to keep playing anymore. <laughs> we just move on. Can I can I ask one question? Is Jorginho like? Is he rumbled on these penalties now? Oh, isn't, yeah. that two, isn't that two in a row of his little yeah. hop, skip and go fuck yourself? It's essentially what the world has said to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's proper found out, isn't he? There's, uh, I'd want him to stop. I want him to stop. I wanted, If anyone was going to get arrested on a pitch, I wanted it to be him. Like, that was... <laughs> I've seen enough. You're not fooling anyone. The, the haircut is criminal enough. Yeah, um, that that dyed I, blonde like look. I'm not. I don't. I'm. I'm not. 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 Not there for that. No. I find it hilarious though that after who was it? Was it Foden who said if if uh, England win the Euros, they will have to dye their hair white, and then Italy won it, and Jorginho did it instead. 
So I found <laughs> I found that humorous at least. <laughs> he is he is a good shit house. I'll give him yeah. that. And yeah, I've always thought he's, that sort of stuff. he's he's a very good he's a very good player, Jorginho, and he's but he's also the kind of guy who like if he's your shit house, you love him. But to other nations, he's just annoying. Yeah. Eleven to pay. Well Tom, how was your week without Premier League football? Fine, yeah, like Jules on well on Thursday I was playing football. So kind of watched the England game through the window of a pub. I'm just not asked that. I just re- I really don't care. The World Cup qualifiers. I, I, for some reason, I watched most of the Andorra game. Why? Why, why do I bother to see like what, what England seed get 81% possession? Well, what have I learned here? Nothing. None of these players would get into the first team squad apart from Mings, who decided to just get himself uh, suspended anyway. So <laughs> I don't know why we bother. It's just boring. It's not competitive. So I, I mean. Do we do kind of like different, they're talking about um, Andorra going in at a different level, essentially, and having to do pre-qualifiers for qualifiers. Yes, do it. Fool about the shit. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for, you know, inclusivity. Try and make as many teams qualify as possible, but don't make me watch it. At least put something else to <laughs> yeah, the time. Exactly. Just make, exactly. them, make them play the big nations under 21s and we can keep playing, you know, league football. That's, that's all that matters. I yeah, just think exactly. it'd be I just think it'd be more fun if they did all the internationals in one go. Like mm. rather than breaking up the season at four different points, just do one like four week international football time. We can all go on holiday and not watch it. And then we can return to, you know, as intended, uninterrupted Premier League football with no blue balls. That's yeah. there's the message. There's the message <laughs> to listen to. <laughs> what we could do is if we're playing teams like Andorra or San Marino. We've got to put out a team of players that are equally paid or have the same jobs. So if we're playing against lawyers <laughs> and farmers and grocery men. We should find our best grocery men and stick them out on the field, see what happens. If this is your way of trying to get me, aka amateur footballs like Rabio, out on the pitch in front of you, Ash, then just head, <laughs> then just head down and watch Camden Islington for our opening game of the season. It'll be a lovely little day, and I don't have a psychopathic mother. So there you go. I'm, if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm heads and shoulders better. Fens met her, mum. She's she's lovely, and she's going to be there. I just want to see what Tom's version of playing football is because I've seen you play football in the past, mate. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I play in goal, and it's because I'm not very good at football. So there we go. Better with my hands. Always have been. Well, speaking insert, of insert, insert joke here. Your mum I was going to say, yeah. insert Couldn't joke here. Leave it there. Let's move on. <laughs> speaking of uh, not being able to play football, obviously it's been quiet in the news, hasn't it? About the, uh, the lads in the Brazil-Argentina game. Smooth, absolutely smooth. Yeah, it's very strange <laughs> to see them. It's so hard to get Spurs' Argentinian players on the pitch. I feel like, you know, Lamella was there for like fucking years and he, he, he didn't rack up nearly enough appearances than what we'd expect in that time. Chelsea is, always seems to be historically injured. Foyth played like he didn't want to be playing at Spurs, in fairness. And now we've finally got Argentinian Spurs players on the pitch and within six or seven minutes, they're shepherded off. Do you, do you not think, though, in their seven minutes on the pitch, they both managed to live up to their stereotypes suitably? Because R- Romero managed to get in a fight with Neymar <laughs> in four minutes by tread, by like, yeah, treading on him. And then Lo Celso almost managed to get in, injured that quickly. I was like, wow, you guys have crammed in 90 minutes of, <laughs> of football into six minutes there. Well played. 
It was amazing. It's, I wanted to say it's one of the strangest things I've seen, and it probably is, but it's probably not the strangest thing that football has seen. So I've been doing some research, and I've found out other strange and wonderful scenarios that games have either been postponed, cancelled, or um, momentarily halted. So I wonder if any of you listeners and if you guys can remember any of these. I mean, most recently, we had the uh, the Pauk owner storm onto a pitch, <laughs> just before the end of a game him and his bodyguards this. yeah even Savidis he, he decided he had enough and he wanted to approach the ref about a uh, it was a goal that was called offside and he, he wasn't happy about it now the big thing about this was that he had his gun holstered and very very visible <laughs> on his nice waist <laughs> yeah I know but the thing that made me laugh is that after he said the reason he did it was to stop the fans from rioting which seems to me a bit like fucking for virginity isn't it yeah. <laughs> oh and there's a there's an italian catholic man if you ever wanted to meet one <laughs> it was it was bongers um take there's there was another occasion back in south america for the uh qualifiers between ecuador and bolivia and i have to say this is allegedly what happened um so Aina Valencia, formerly of West Ham, you might remember him. He went down injured and, and got stretched off in one of those like buggy things. Apparently, the reason he did that was to avoid the police that were in attendance that wanted to do him because of um, unpaid alimony. So <laughs> I will leave it there and I'll resist the urge to make a joke out of West Ham fans because it just wouldn't be fair, would it? So Usain Edouard has just signed for Crystal Palace, our, our opponents on, on uh, Saturday, I believe. Yeah. Um, he is currently being pursued for £15,000 worth of damages from shooting a local kid in the ear with an air rifle in France. <laughs> hasn't paid the price in like six years. And Philippe Auclair, who's like one of, the, one of French football's like most respected journalists, is calling him out for it on Twitter. I, I think it's both amazing, but would that not be like a great Spursy reason for Saturday's games to get interrupted? Would be yeah. if French bureaucrats felt the need to come on the pitch and be like, come on, where's the 15k? I've had enough. I've well, had speaking, enough. It's funny that you, uh, you speak of flying objects as, as a search. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 1954, there was a match between Fiorentina and Pistoese, which was brought to a, ho- a halt when everybody, players and fans alike, were distracted by an unidentified flying object in the sky which was described by one of the players as silver uh, silver glitter, which was coming down. I imagine just a game of football stopping because everyone's like, oh, look at that. What's, what's going on over there? <laughs> it's like everybody had ADHD all at once. <laughs> it's, Italians have not learned from Vesuvius, have they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that glitter. <laughs> this, um, one of my favourites, to be fair, and this is you're going to think that this is from a long time ago. So I want you to guess the year that this happened. There was a South Peninsula Division One East match between. I'm sorry if I mispronounced this, but Tainmouth and Crediton United, which was postponed three days prior to the game actually uh, supposedly taking place because it became clear that the goalposts wouldn't arrive in time. <laughs> <laughs> That, what, now that sounds like being delivered by Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> They'd just throw him over your neighbour's fence, wouldn't they? <laughs> Man, that 
Jesus, that sounds like pure Hackney Marshes, doesn't it? That, that that kind of nonsense. I had to play on a pitch on Sunday for a mate's team because they were they were short of a man, um, and the pitch wasn't like hadn't had the paint done yet, so the sidelines were just white cones. I was like, God, this, <laughs> this really is very different. Saturday's like a proper pitch, proper ref, you know, linesman. Sunday is like, oh, watch out for the cone, mate. <laughs> So would there have been cones on a goal line, or did you leave it for the goal line? Jumping, we had, surely. We had cones on the we had cones <laughs> on the goal line, but you also we had different coloured cones to try and have the box and the line, and ultimately it all just blurred together. Like it was, <laughs> it was honestly ridiculous. I was like, this well, is not, this is not the one. There's a hypothetical situation here, and it happened. I think Darren Bent was robbed of a goal when he his his strike hit a beach ball. It went in, didn't mm. it? It counted. It went in, it uh, went in, it counted for Sunderland what against if, Liverpool. Yeah. What if it didn't? What if you're, you scuffed a shot and it rolled into one of those cones and then just bounced out a goal, but it would have ordinarily have rolled over the line? What I'd want Ivan Savidis to be there to storm the pitch of the gun holstered. <laughs> 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 to be fair, in Hackney Marches, you're probably not too far away from a bike like that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, there was one final incident I wanted to give you of a oh. match being uh, postponed uh, because this one's probably my favourite and it's one of the most British things I think I've ever heard. And to be fair, you might appreciate it as well as a Frenchman. In 2015, Froome Town postponed a match against Chippenham Town so that it wouldn't clash with the Froome Cheese Show. Rate that. That is, <laughs> that is, that is commitment to fromage. <laughs> Surely, if there's any better reason to postpone football than cheese, I mean, we all, we all love a bit of cheese. <laughs> I mean, maybe a, a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, not going to red list countries where you're going to have to say that you weren't in the UK beforehand, even though it was on national TV. That might might be a good reason to not have a game of football. Yeah, I, I love- don't know how you could get away with that if you you literally got off a flight from Heathrow. <laughs> where where have you come from, mate? Not the UK. <laughs> all right all right you get away with it this time well, i love how we're all there stressing about our fucking passenger locator forms and all this bollocks and then they, <laughs> they got off the plane and we're like nah nah never never there mate don't know what you're e- talking about <laughs> Ephro, where's that <laughs> like, yeah. what, what took them three days as well like they had to stop seven minutes into the game what were they doing for the three days prior just like proper just normal um you know, government officials just lounging about trying to get through some red paper. Yeah, it's strange. But on a serious note, does this leave us in a potential position where they're now going to have to self-isolate on the way back to the UK, probably in Croatia, which is <laughs> there are there are worse places to self-isolate in fairness than like an Ibis off the M4. <laughs> but we're probably going to see the first fixture. Uh, back after the international break against Palace and in the midweek European game against uh, Rennes. We, we could see that without Lo Celso, Romero and also Sanchez, who's away with um, Colombia, I think has done a similar thing. Uh, well, where do we draw the line? I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, Jules, if it was you in this situation, but if you were asked to either play in these massive games for your national team, but your club was holding you back saying, no, no, because of these conditions, we don't want you to go out there because you're going to miss games for us. I mean, what would you do? Uh, I think for me, I'd, I'd want to represent my country, particularly in, you know, we're, we're what, uh, not well, we're about a year away from the World Cup, um, which all of these guys are you know, keen to get in the starting 11 for. But I think the bigger thing is just 
this is FIFA's fuck up. This mm. isn't like it shouldn't be on the players to decide between club and country. It should be on FIFA to find a way of making the two things work together. Um, so I feel for the players because they know they've been put in this difficult position. And for them, even if there hadn't been this this fuck up, they've got to go back, isolate, and then they're going to have to try and break back into a team where other people are getting opportunities based on being of a different nationality. And that's wrong. Like, like, I don't need to spell that out, but that isn't right. Um, why are we expecting these people to choose club over country? Like, these are just guys that are just bought by the club to play football for them. Like, what loyalty do they have? If <laughs> Who on earth, even Englishmen, who's choosing Tottenham over England, let alone over Argentina? You don't choose Tottenham, you're just giving it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's cur- a life that chose us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Before we go too much into what comes next, we had a question from at FC under Moby about any times that you've been delayed coming home from a foreign country. I don't think any of us have been arrested, but has anyone got any other stories? Uh, I, I, so I once had to miss a flight coming back from Australia um, <laughs> for something that's actually worryingly close to this, to the, to this line. Um, my dad tried to take some fruit on the plane with him and was held back and interviewed for like 12 hours by local <laughs> police on the accusation of fruit smuggling. Quite <laughs> how they thought four apples and a fucking nectarine was fruit smuggling is beyond me. These are some seriously, these guys have not figured out the, the cost ratio here. But yeah, I once, I once did have to get a later flight back because of that with my dad. So there you go. That's, that's the best I can do. Tom, you got anything? I'm shocked by that because your dad's got an apple tree in his garden. I don't need to go to the other side of the world for these. I have these. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, I'd understand uh, if I was accused of smuggling plums. Right? No, no, not plums, mate. Just, you know. But I, I've never so, your really issue, had... so your issue isn't with the concept of fruit smuggling. It's with the fruit that my dad chose to try and smuggle. Let's, let's get that. Quick. Yeah. If it's two plums and a banana, you could just you could arguably get away with that. But I mean, the worst I've ever I've ever got to to any sort of issue is that I'd completely forgotten about it. I'd used a different bag that I hadn't used in a few years, uh, and I was in I flew out to South Africa absolutely fine. For some reason, that my hand luggage was searched on the way out, and I could hear the guys under their breath going, "Why, why have they sent this for examination? There's nothing here." did an internal flight in South Africa and I found the reason why because he put it through the scammer and he, he, he sort of laughed I mean oh you can't take handcuffs uh, on this on the plane mate and I went <laughs> yeah good luck oh, yeah good one mate but what and I had a toy pair of handcuffs from an old fancy dress costume and an old this. police badge to go with it would have said like NYPD like, in a little plastic shitty badge so I could <laughs> yeah, kind of get, well, I mean, I wasn't trying to impersonate it at NYPD. Toy bad, bit. Eh? Yeah, but he, I was obviously with my girlfriend at the time. He's mortified. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> and I just had to like, yeah, keep the handcuffs, mate. Fucking bit him. Uh, I had to keep the badge as a sort of, <laughs> the only yeah. badge of honour that I could carry from that. But it was an incredibly embarrassing situation. <laughs> well, talking about NYPD, they're fucking terrifying. Have you, have you ever been to New York? Yeah. Yeah, I was Once. there Christmas two years ago, and I'm like the first thing you see when you arrive is some six foot three 
jacked up policeman with the biggest gun you're probably likely to see as well probably called chad standing there looking <laughs> threatening as anything and so you know you're, it's a terrifying country to go in and out of and we've all watched american tv and i'm, I'm fairly certain that i was uk's patient zero with covid because on the last couple of days i got incredibly ill so we were trying to get out the country and I was, uh, I mean, it was a fairly hot day and I had about four layers on, including a ski jacket. I was um, sort of up to my eyeballs in cough syrup trying to get through the barrier. And I'm a quiet, I probably looked like a drugs mule. Let's be honest. Like I was, I was sweating um, and my eyes were glazed over and we had to get through the security and they, they asked me if they, um, how I was, how I was doing and stuff. And then they said that we can either search you here or we can go into that room over there. And I was like, there's no way in hell you are taking me into a room on my own in America. I've watched TV. Like this ain't happening. <laughs> you can search me right here. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to get fingered for something as in a crime, not as in. Jesus. <laughs> Right. <laughs> God, this has been quite a dirty and profanity-laden pod so far, boys. Like, the honestly, Jim goes for one week and we just descended into. I meant in the old mob gravity. way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that term has ameliorated over time. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Um, on to probably more quieter times at Hotspur Way. I, I didn't realise this that of the first team players who are still left at the training ground, we've only got Delhi Dyer. Winks and Dombele, Moira, Tinganga and Clark, because today uh, we're recording on Monday. Uh, Joe Rodon has just been called up uh, for the Wales uh, squad because he's completed his rehabilitation, to quote, which I presume is being rehabilitated for signing for Spurs. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what else that would mean. But yeah, we've not even got enough for a five-a-side game between the first-team players. It must be a strange time to, to be a professional footballer in that environment. Yeah, a bit of an odd one. Um, but I think for those those players, you've mentioned uh, the English lads, uh, so Delhi, Dyer and Winks. Um, it doesn't surprise me that uh, Delhi and Dyer have both had quite strong starts to the season and, and look very sharp because they weren't involved essentially in internationals over the summer. And I think they've really been able to maximise their, uh, you know, their time away to do the right kind of training um, abroad. I think Delhi was in Dubai, wasn't he, with Carl Walker-Peters. And, so in a way, there's kind of a, a, a weird blessing in that if Delhi and Dyer maybe aren't aren't flying away anywhere, maybe they're actually, you know, putting in some extra work on the training ground and that's helping them uh, perform as well as they have. Because those guys, you know, Dyer was nominated for man, uh, sorry, for, yeah, for a player of the month um, in the Prem. And I think Delhi could have been. Yeah. I don't think there's much that can help Winks, though. <laughs> He's got such a low <laughs> point to start from. <laughs> But it's a good, it's a great opportunity for the kids to come in, isn't it? Like Dylan Markenday's been nominated for Player of the Month for the Premier League Two, which is great. And he's um, seen a few clips and he's, he's scored some very good goals and put in a few good performances. So for, I think it's more great for those players. I don't think, like Harry Kane hasn't travelled that far. Uh, Reguilón, I don't think he's gone that far with Spain. These players will come back and just get back into the uh, to the team shortly. I, don't, I wouldn't be too worried about it. It's just a great opportunity for the young guys to step up and, uh, experience training at that intensity with uh, with sort of the top coaches you're going to find. And Nuno. 100%. And Nuno. <laughs> uh, he's a good coach for joking or joking before like all the, the Twitter arty get hold of me. <laughs> Don't have to well, actually listen to our podcast first, Tom. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, Sessegnon is another player who sort of normally probably 
probably would have benefited more from staying back at training, and I, I bet he wish he had, because he's fast-tracked his way back by picking up another knock. I don't know if you saw this. But it's one of those, oh, not again. Like, we just only just patched the skeezer back together. And we really want to see him push on. I mean, I, I don't know when, where do we draw the line with this skeezer. I think it's a tricky one with Sessegnon because he's, he's got lots of the raw attributes that you'd want in a young left-back. He's got a turn of pace. He seems good in his one-on-ones and nice positional player and, and has quite a lot going forward. But if you just can't get yourself fit and available and into games, then it's a bit irrelevant. Um, and it seems like now, correct me if I'm wrong, he's had quite a lot of muscle problems as well. Like hamstring was the big one that he tore when he first joined. It's quite young in your career to start picking up those kind of knocks. Those are not easy things to bounce back from. So it, I don't know, a bit, bit worried about that because uh, he, he was a big investment for us. And at the moment, doesn't seem to be paying off. Yeah, he's still very young. And I think injuries, unfortunately, have made him stagnate a little bit. But I don't think it's time to write him off and, and move on. I think he's still very very promising player when we've seen him play even though he's picked up these muscle injuries he hasn't lost his turn of pace or he hasn't he hasn't seemed to struggle or uh, you know struggle mentally to going in on a one-on-one so i wouldn't worry too much um i still rather have him than davies to be honest and um so <laughs> wouldn't we all <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah don't worry your little your little sucks too much tom <laughs> <laughs> don't worry they're not too worried um we might have to rely on davies a, a lot more actually because I mentioned it earlier, we're going to be without Sanchez and probably Romero for the Palace game at the weekend, which kind of just leaves us with Dyer uh, and whoever else is about. Um, <laughs> Sounds an awful lot like my Saturday team. <laughs> Emerson, I mean, I don't know if he's actually properly training with the team yet, whether Palace will come too soon for him, probably. But I'm not even sure how our back four is going to shape up. I mean, we're either going to have to move Tanganga uh, across in, into a centre-back to cover Sanchez. Uh, or you play Davis as a as a centre back, uh, or maybe Rodon's fit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, how do you see us actually shaping up? I, I take it that the, the rest of the squad, we know what that will look like, the front six, so to speak. Uh, but a back four remains to be seen. Yeah, I wouldn't be expected to see a change to a back five to accommodate, uh, or to make it a bit easier on, so you can play Davies and Tanganga without the same level of. Um, pressure being put on them, I suppose, or, or Roden as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if we, if we saw a return to the back five. But listen, it's, it's Crystal Palace. Is anyone like, I haven't got a clue what to expect in terms of them either. So <laughs> we'll turn up and no doubt it will be a bit boring for half an hour, 40 minutes of the game, as long as we can nick a goal or two. I don't care how <laughs> we shape one. up. Yeah. yeah. Well, you I, say that. <laughs> I, think, I think the weird thing with Palace is... Um, depending on who they put out, you might choose a very different lineup because if they go with Edouard up front and I think it's Zaha and uh, they've got the other really quick winger, I can't remember his, his name, the guy who, who signed from the championship. Yeah, Lise. I think um, Lise and, um, yeah, the other geezer, what's his name? Eze, Eze. But they're both injured, aren't they? And the, but all these, all these guys, right, are, are fast kind of players where I think you would happily tuck Tanganga into centre-back in order to allow him to deal with that because he's so good at one-on-one defending. <laughs> but they've also still got Christian Benteke. <laughs> if they bring him into the picture, it's suddenly a different game of football. Yeah, it's fine. Dyer will pocket him. It's just another day for him now. He's a different bloke. He's not the Dyer you, you used to know. It's bizarre, isn't it? Uh, I was <laughs> strangely comfortable when the opposition have the ball and I'm not used to this. 
Yeah, I'm not. I still fully ex- <laughs> expected him to shit his pants at any given moment. So I'm sat on the edge of my seat in the wrong... It's overdue. Yeah, exactly. He did literally do that once as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we've seen this before, haven't we? Like, it was, it was going great until December last year. And then it, it went catastrophic. Jose Mourinho decided to uh, just be awful again. He decided to skip season two and just go straight to season three. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think I think the the Palace game will be interesting because, um, as you say, actually, they almost don't know who they are because they've had so much flux and so many new yeah. new signings come in. I mean, if they're meant to be eagles, they'd be an eagle that's like it's released into the wild, but it's like flying into branches. It hasn't like quite figured out what it's doing yet. <laughs> like it's a bit all over have, the place. Have you seen that video of some? There's a rehabilitated eagle. It went viral. Just a short section, but you know they were just about to release it into the wild. It was a massive thing. And as soon as they let it fly off, it got hit by a truck. And that's the first thing that happened to it when it was released in a while. If the truck was called Dire Straits, then I'd, be, I'd really have enjoyed that. That would have been lovely. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd happily squash the Eagle in this instance uh, because it's Spurs. But I mean, I also hate Fiera just because he's ex-Arsenal, uh, despite him being... Uh, having a good career, I'll put it that way. I won't give him any credit because he's ex-Arsenal. <laughs> um, but yeah, can I, they need they need to suffer. Can I can I also give some credit to any of our fans who are? Uh, it's, it's a way, isn't it? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Any of our fans who are going there, I salute you for the bravery because Fen and I uh, went to Palace away with uh, with Newcastle. Uh, last year and we can categorically confirm it is a shithole and an awful <laughs> match day experience as a fan we've just got into the habit over the last two weeks of just destroying people's neighborhoods <laughs> we, yeah. we are so sorry if you're from any of these places that we've just shat on but um <laughs> I'm, telling, I'm telling you Fen, how would you describe that match day out um breeze block i'd argue uh <laughs> it's essentially just uh four walls and a bar and a urinal, and that was about it. But we were with Newcastle fans, so they, they made their own entertainment. Uh, just like, uh, What's the atmosphere like? Because it gets a lot of reviews, but to me on the TV, it just sounds like a constant drone. I wouldn't say it was a great atmosphere, um, mm. but then again, we were, I'm not going to lie, when you're with the Toon Army away from, away from home, they make a fair bit of racket. So, so I think they're worse than whoever you played. Yeah, I thought, I thought they were pony in fairness. I was surprised at the, the lack of atmosphere at Sarah's Park, I must say. I know they were terrible at the time, but it's still terrible. So they're always terrible. But I mean, you just think you'd have a laugh at it in the end. Has anyone else just feel like this is just the kind of game that we would lose our winning run to? Like, we beat, we've reached City. Watford, yeah, we did. I know, which makes it even more likely that this is the game. Like, we... We look good, then there's been a break, and now is the period of shitness. That's just going to catch up with us. I'm I'm not so worried about this one, but I do see the point you're making. I see your point, yeah. um, <laughs> particularly because I feel with them that they've got they do have a few good players, and eventually it's going to click. So it's which opposition are going to be the unlucky ones who face them on the day <laughs> that it all kind of works together, and it would be quite Spursy. Um, but I still think it's quite early in the season. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we can, if we can put our foot on the ball, um, Hoiberg and, and Delhi dominate in that middle area of the pitch and versus like the likes of Conor Gallagher, um, then I think we'll be, we'll be all right. So, yeah, pos- positive attitude, Ash. You know, <laughs> we're, we're 3-0. and 
Yeah, it's been sucked out of me of 20 years of being a Spurs fan, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we just need the 1-0. That's fine. That's how we do it now. Well, setting targets is something that the club has been known for. And most recently, well, today, I think it was, they announced that the game against Chelsea, it will be uh, the first elite game of football where they're aiming to make it a net zero carbon impact. But... Um, other than it being uh, humongously ironic that it's against Chelsea, who are funded by <laughs> oil daddies. Um, Jules, what, what, what should we know about this? Uh, well, I mean, the important thing, first of all, is like everything that we're doing uh, in this kind of area is both leading in terms of what, in terms of the club game, I guess, but also something which I think we all recognise we should be doing in life. So in terms of the actual game, Essentially, they're reducing emissions and offsetting them. Um, so the players are all going to go on a bus which is running on biofuel. They don't get water bottles on the day from like single-use plastic. It's all from cartons. Um, and then they're going to be uh, investing in essentially like uh, different sort of natural carbon uh, projects to kind of account for any any additional carbon use which happens on the day. Um, so it is a really good thing to do. Um, it's brilliant we're, we're, we're doing it because it's going to have to. It's practical, um, but also we know it's the right thing to do. Um, we did get a slightly uh, bitter uh, message, I, I would say, on Twitter um, about sort of, oh, well, what did Enoch get from this? Um, I guess you could say good PR, but I also feel like I'm quite proud that our club is doing it. So mm. we should we should give them praise for it. And <laughs> Champions! Not be... Yeah, <laughs> this thing, I, I think this is one of the occasions where you know, we're proud of our new stadium. It's brilliant we're doing this initiative. Let's not dig too deep into, you know, our Enoch on a on a PR move. Let's just enjoy the fact that we're doing it and give them some praise for it. Yeah, big up at Dewig for that question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting question. Of, without getting too deep, which is a, a sort of transgressing away from what this podcast is trying to be, there, there is some... I've studied green criminology academically, bizarrely. Check you out. At, this kind of stuff and you've got to uh, because um because i'm going to sound like an uh i'm on my soapbox now you set me off because capitalism is so corrupt <laughs> uh, um, you're never going to convince these people um to, to to give up their money working ways which is generally environmentally bad um unless you incentivize them with well if you if you do it if you sell ethical capitalism essentially or green initiatives uh, then, it, then you unlock different markets. You can make money this way. How, how about that? So we're going to see more of that. It's good that we're the first club to do that, not only from an ethical point of view, but from a financial point of view. We're probably the most commercially savvy club in the Premier League, I'd argue, uh, which is good because we've got more debt than anyone else. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> these sorts of initiatives are actually, you know, good on, on both sides. I see the cynicism that uh, that Twitter can get at sometimes and. Sometimes it does feed agendas of, well, yeah, it's just making profit for Enoch. But at the same time, it's also a good thing. So, and if it's profit for the club, then that can be reinvested into the crippling debt we're in. Or perhaps buying a creative midfielder come January. So, not a bad thing. We, you know, greenest club in England, you, you, you'll never sing that and all of that. So, But I like the way they had to um, separate that this is the first elite game of football uh, that's net carbon zero because I, I suspect a lot of the games you go to on 
<laughs> and like Hackney marshes and that, which are, are full of you know millennials who all live in zone two and cycle everywhere. Probably are net zero carbon as well because Is no one's driving you? anywhere in London. Are you not that millennial? <laughs> no, I just I, don't plant any marshes. I was thinking Forest Green Rovers might have had something to do with that. So I'd love to know what their definition mm, of, yeah. of elite is. Is that is that essentially League One and above? Because that doesn't involve Forest Green. <laughs> what are the chances that it's going to be the most dross game of football just because they've called it elite? So it's going to be a nil-nil played out, which is the most boring football going. Yeah, but I don't care because the maybe the water from the sprinklers has all come from the gutters. So there you go. I do care, actually. I do want us to win. We'll probably win. <laughs> yeah. Especially against those no, scums. Actually, it's yeah. Chelsea. I yeah. don't know. They're quite can, good. Can we, can we return quickly? Because Chelsea feels like a long way off. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to ask you boys uh, scores on the doors. Um, what's the prediction for the Palace game? So that I can laugh at how wrong we all are next week. Hmm. Ash, you've hesitated. You're going to send me first. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to say 1-0 because um, I've seen our form and it suggests it's going to be 1-0. <laughs> to us, by the way. Yeah. To us. But I also take that. Like, I feel like we've had a... It's been it's been a bit tricky going away at Palace recently for, for no real reason. We should be rushing aside teams like this. I don't... These are the teams that we should be. These, these are the tests with Nuno. And we look comfortable against Watford, to be honest. Uh, and we need to look comfortable going to these sorts of clubs as well uh, if we want to have those sorts of ambitions. It's all right if you struggle against the big six teams because, you know, that, that's what you, who you're trying to compete with. You expect that. So this will be this will be a good test. Uh, but I'd still just take a 1-0. I do expect us to win with the yeah. quality we are. Yeah, we should be beating them. We should. I do worry a little bit about the not taking the chances that we created in previous games. And also how the international break can affect us because obviously we've got a lot more players away from the first team training than Crystal Palace do. So, you know, they've had a week to work on their game plan, whereas we haven't. So I'm going to play it conservative and say 1-1. Oh, you, t- you two so binary. Mm. Jesus, everything's just well, At least I said we'd win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to push the boat out here and say that we'll score. <laughs> no shit. Two goals in a 2-0 win. That's what I reckon. 2-0 win. You're going to keep yeah. up the clean sheets. I mean, we're going to break up the dream team back four of... Uh, well, it's because Sanchez has just disappeared. Um, <laughs> he's been blacklisted. But yeah, we, we that sort of disruption, you've got Tanganga versus uh, Zaha, which could be an interesting matchup. I know he's sort of stepped up so far, dealt with the challenges that have come his way. So, I don't know. Do you think we could still not ship a goal? Surely. I, he I, says I with think, a 1-0 prediction. <laughs> I, I just think that the reason we've been so good defensively isn't really just because the centre-halves have been on point. It's because the midfield has been much more effective in sort of protecting them and, and ensuring all they have to deal with is long balls. And I think that will happen again. I back Delhi, Oyberg, Skip to dominate that area. And yeah, I'm saying 2-0 win, come on you Spurs. There you go. Easy. Cheery note then. Let's call it there. We'll see you next week. We'll talk about Renners uh, and other European teams that we can mispronounce. Thanks for listening.